Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on recent sermon themes and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org and be sure to say which sermon your question is about, if applicable. Don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying or identifying information about question askers on this podcast. January's theme was imagination, and in this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons Insurrection on Epiphany and On Dreaming, both of which can be found in this podcast feed. Happy 2021, Laurel! I know! We're here! I know, we made it! (laughs) How strange! And we have a new president. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's happened. Yes. We were talking about how the internet is now overtaken by Bernie Mitten memes, which is, you know, a delightful change from all the scary things. (laughs) Right? Yes. Oh, I'm I'm happy about any knitting knitting memes that come up. (laughs) Okay, that is fair. I just happen to like cozy things. So I'm always here for mittens and also um, people sitting. So mm-hmm. that's the personal, yep. personal and de- passion de- of platforming mine. terrorist groups also <laughs> great. I don't know. I I guess we're 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 approaching that that good line of church and politics, right? Which is really church and state. But well, we'll, that, we'll okay, get like that. before we started recording, we were like talking about that a little bit, and mm-hmm. like as soon as we started talk, like recording this, I was like, oh wait, what am I allowed to say? Um, right. So. Yes. And I've gotten so many questions from people in the last couple of weeks of like, oh, wait, what what can we say during services? Like, if we're not speaking as the congregation, there's been a whole lot of confusion. So you are not alone in that. So I think. And it's confusing, right? Like, it's very there confusing. are certain really clear hard lines. And then there are a lot of things that's really about like, the ethos of the congregation and that community's particular idea about boundaries of what is and is not okay. Um, So it's complicated. So I think we will probably spend a solid amount of time talking about that to kind of like warm us up to talking about that. Can we just take a few Mm -hmm. minutes to talk about like develop some common vocabulary around what we mean when we say boundaries like I know yeah, yeah. you and I as like fans of Brene Brown <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. like, as millennials <laughs> yeah like as therapy going millennials like we say yeah. that a lot um right. I think it's not like I think this might be a good opportunity to like talk in more like really concrete specific terms about yeah what boundaries are and why they make relationships between individuals and you know in in larger communities communities yeah like stronger rather than being an agent like rather than causing some like unnecessary division or whatever i think there there can be this sense about the idea of boundaries that they're sort of like punishment or that they're restricting um and i think about boundaries as a sort of 
line between what you are and are not okay with. Um, So it's like ways that you are and are not okay being treated or things that you would like, you can have boundaries with yourself of like behavior that you are okay engaging in and behavior that you're not okay engaging in. Um, And when we respect those lines, it builds trust. Um, And so it actually makes the sort of um, being in relationship with other people better and easier. And it's more welcoming um, because there's this sense of like, I know here what is and is not okay and what kind of behavior will and will not be permitted. And so it creates a sense of safety and a sense of accountability that's like, I know what we agreed to, right? Um, And I know that if you sort of cross my boundary, I can tell you, and then we can be honest about it, right? And we can be in relationship versus having no clear sense of boundaries um, creates this like confusion of never really being able to clearly identify maybe when someone has hurt you um, or when you've done something that like you didn't intend to do harm to someone else, but you didn't know, right, what they were not okay with. Um, So it's sort of this like communication of the sort of like what flies and what doesn't fly. Um, And it happens in all different kinds of ways, right? Like I said, we have boundaries with ourselves and our own sense of integrity and behavior. Um, We have boundaries with other people in one-to-one relationships of like, I mean, I think like a really, to, to put it in really like simple, blunt terms, like if you think in like a romantic relationship, the boundary of not having relationships with other people, right? Like romantic relationships with other people that are not consensual. Like that's a really clear boundary. And if that person crosses it, you know there's a problem, right? And like harm has been done. But if you never clarify, then there's all this space for people to be sort of doing, like not knowing that they're upsetting each other. Um, So boundaries are really good things and they can be really awkward sometimes. Um, because it requires a level of honesty um, and the sort of intimate act of saying, like, this is what I I will and will not tolerate. Um, and it requires a level of self-awareness that if we're used to being too polite or even if you're used to um, not getting to have boundaries, it can be really hard to sort of start to learn what you won't accept um, and what you will accept. Is yeah. that, I feel like I just talked in a big circle, but was, did that no, help? I think, Do you want to add? I that, yeah. I mean, I think that really makes good sense. Um, I think what you said about the self-awareness is really important Yeah. Um, because a lot of times, like it takes time to understand what boundaries make sense for you in your different relationships right. and like yes. they're different with different people and, they're and they different. can evolve over time within yes. the same relationship. So yes. You know, it's just kind of understanding and being able to hear yourself when right. something is telling you that you're uncomfortable or you don't feel safe. Right. Um, and being able to identify the source of that is also a really valuable but important, like, and not yeah. easy skill. Um, yes. If you aren't taught that. Yeah. So. So I think. And then there's. And, and that also applies to then, like, groups of people, right? So then yeah. if we're. Because. Uh, our congregation is a group of people, 
but it's not made up of indiv- like the thing is not defined by the collection of individuals. It's defined by the collective. Um, so then boundary setting with communities can get really confusing um, because there needs to be enough communication like amongst the whole body to set really clear understandings of like these are the lines that that we understand to be our boundaries. Um, And that's a really hard process. And if you don't do that work together, like we said, there's all this confusion of like, what is our understanding of what's too political or not? Um, Because there's that, as as I preached about, there's this very clear line of the separation of church and state. Um, which really means like no political candidates, no political parties. But then there's a whole lot of room around that um, that people can also label as being political in a way that they want kept out of church, like community organizers that are like trying to get certain kinds of initiatives passed. Like some people think that's too political. Um, Things like signing petitions or um, putting up yard signs that are not political, right? Or not political candidates, um, because that's legally okay, but maybe the church, right? Like it depends on if the the body of the congregation thinks that that is too political or is a good place to go, right? So there are like, there's a whole lot of wiggle room. Um, yeah. And it takes a, a process to figure all that out, which plug we're going to be working on this spring we have this amazing uua consultant um because we know that we don't know the answer to those things like even in the last month all of the questions i've been getting and sort of concern from people of like is this does this count as too political like like where are the lines um and i even have that too right because i know what the legal line is but then there's this sort of collective cultural line and i I don't know that we've ever clarified that in our congregation. Um, so I'm excited to sort of be in that process with everybody to figure out, like, how do we want to engage in justice issues? Um, what is our boundary between what is, like, too political for church and what is, um, like, the justice work that we should be doing? Um, yeah. So boundaries are are good and helpful things and it it takes a while to figure out what they are and sometimes it takes accidentally crossing them to sort of start to get clearer about like oh that actually that didn't work so like that helps us know um so well and i think i mean i think that the involvement of legal boundaries versus yeah community determined boundaries can also be kind of confusing Um, definitely so like i see this a lot especially in these big lofty ideas like separation of powers or separation of church and state or freedom of speech is one of the biggest ones like i think when people talk about freedom of speech colloquially there is you know like the legal definition of freedom of speech is that like most of the things you say won't cause the government to like imprison you it doesn't mean that you're not going to face any consequences from the people you're talking to Um, yes correct which is a really important distinction because people do use it to mean like you can't limit there can be no consequences for anything anyone says which when you say it that frankly is like obviously not true but i think 
Right. I mean, obviously, that's not true. Everyone has consequences for how they act in a yeah. society. That's what a society and relationships are. <laughs> right. But I, right. but I think like there is a certain amount of talking past each other when people talk about freedom of speech because I think oh yes, like yes. some people say like, hey, your freedom of speech doesn't give you the right to be a butthole. Um, to use the <laughs> yeah. clinical like the le- the clinical legal term. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The like, podcast friendly term. Yes, exactly. Um, but I think like. People who talk about freedom of speech are not just referencing the law. I think they're talking about, no. like, this is a fundamental tenet of the way our society, like, we were brought up in our society, is that, like, yep. part of the ethos of America, not just, like, the legal text, is that yeah. we express our ideas. Like, we freely exchange right. ideas and, yep. like, respect for personal exploration of yeah. you know truth and how things are and i mm-hmm. think that there is a like so this is another thing where i think that like common vocabulary around what we believe freedom of speech boundaries are right what we mean by that yeah i think culturally different we're, people mean we're different missing things it. I, yes, yeah exactly so do i so like i think and some of that too comes down to um like different understandings of personal freedoms and individualism. Um, Like the sacredness of an individual opinion is something that I don't necessarily respect personally. Well, and and if we're like remembering that we have these tenets of white supremacy culture that we're using as as sort of sub themes for the month, um, individualism is one of those sort of white supremacy culture things where the right. individual matters more than the whole collective. Um, and, and all so opinions of, are created equal. <laughs> yes, right, right. And so part of justice work and part of anti-racist work is to say, right, like we're all in this together um, and the individual does not trump the collective. It's part of the collective, but it does not, like no individual reigns supreme over the community. Um we can imagine where that would go wrong. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is, that's something I'm still personally thinking through, the relationship between yeah. individuals and communities, as I imagine um, a future yeah. that is more nice. generative and, um, you know, rooted in, yeah. um, like, human-centered well-being. Um, mm-hmm. Like reconciling personal freedom of expression and self-determination with um, like separating it from toxic individualism is something that I like, that's a theme I I think about a lot. Um, Yeah. So, okay. We distinguish between like (laughs) legal boundaries and like community and cultural boundaries. Yeah. So like, can we just take a second to outline what the actual legal boundaries are? And then yeah. whatever is left yep. around that is still kind of TBD is, for us. Yeah, right. Um, so the legal boundary, the separation of church and state, is that um, churches cannot advocate or support political parties or political candidates. Um, and so that encompasses everything from, like, if you're going to, let the Democratic Party use your space free of charge, you have to also let the Republican Party use your space free of charge. Um, And like 
like the example I gave that you could you can't put up a presidential or like a senator lawn sign during an election. That's not allowed because that's a candidate. Um, so that's the that's a hard and fast legal line. Um, in the same way that the government can't dictate to churches what we say. Um, so it it does go both ways, right? Like it's a boundary in both directions. Um, although I, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Um, go on. That and so, sounded like a juicy well, I was pause. sort of like, like, this is interesting to think about if that, because we don't talk about that side, right? But like, we also don't live in a dictatorship where, um, like the, there's a sort of, the government is dictating what religious groups can and cannot do. That's sort of a horrifying thing to think about. Um, but they, but so that's, they do. it's good to name. Don't they? In a, yeah. In other extent? places and in other times in history. Yeah. But I mean, now and here, I mean, we, not to us, but yeah. Like, I, I don't know as much about this, but I feel like there is, I mean, like the FBI can go in and break up cults, right? Right. Yeah. So there is, but that's if they're criminal, right? Like you have to be doing something wrong. But like, so. Right. And. But what, like, are there also, I guess there's like religious exemptions for substance uses. Um, oh gosh. I don't know. <laughs> because I think, I mean, I think that like, again, like because of like colonialist and imperial. Right. And, other biases like there are some religions which are subject to more robust protections than others in the united states um yeah but i do think wait because we think like like native american people were not allowed to congregate and like celebrate their own traditions and their own religious practices like in the last century so this is it's that is not a a long distant past um that the government did restrict like religious acts, um, right? Which is again, like very tied up in racism and um, colonialism and all that kind of scary, bad stuff. Yeah. I'm thinking of like peyote, for example, like is peyote illegal? I don't know because it's, we don't use it. So I'm not personally informed (laughs) about that particular issue. Um, I feel like, but it's a good question. I feel like there are like religious exemptions to drug laws, like in some instances. Well, you can see where this, like what we're pointing at is like, it starts to get more complicated, right? Which is where there's the, the really clear line that we can all sort of point to and say like, okay, we got it. Is this no political candidates, no political parties line? Um, but then beyond that, it all starts to get very nuanced um, and sort of it depends, right? Um, so as we said, the boundaries are get complicated. Um, yeah. But so then other lawn signs like a Black Lives Matter lawn sign is legally right, because that's, fine. Is legally acceptable, yes. What then else there's supporting- the question of do does like the congregation feel like it's something that they want to engage in because they're that's where we were talking about this like some people still read that as being political in this sort of 
broad umbrella sense, um, but it doesn't cross the church and state line. So it might be legally acceptable, but not like acceptable in in the particular group. So those are different boundaries. um, What about like specific laws or like propositions? Fair game. Fair game. So like so those things are allowed. And still, congregations can get, if they haven't gotten clear as a whole body about, like, do we feel comfortable putting on, like, what was the one a couple years ago? I think it was Prop 3 was the trans rights thing, which was, like, obviously this is so clearly in line with UU values and, like, UU justice work. But then there is still, like boards having to decide like well we never clarified if we're okay putting up lawn signs about propositions even if it's Mm -hmm. clearly in line with our like religious ethos and values there's still the sort of is this way of doing justice work is that okay in our community Um, and a lot of people don't haven't clarified that so Mm -hmm. it's legally acceptable but then there's the like is this how we operate together as a congregation? And how do we decide that? Um, changing gears just a little bit. Um, you preached on um, MLK Sunday. Yep. But um, you and I, before we started recording, you actually told me something I didn't know. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? This was a fun fact that I slipped into my sermon, but you had to be paying attention because there was a lot oh. of stuff going on. <laughs> so I am I sure you're not the being... sermon. I promise. <laughs> well, I know, and no, and that's where I'm like, I think there the the whole issue of the separation of church and state is so complicated that like, you know, my two sentences on MLK, I'm sure got missed by a lot of people. So. Um, and I was looking as we were talking before, trying to find the specific book I was reference- referencing. And of course, like, I think it's in my office in Westboro. I have no idea because we're all in quarantine. <laughs> um, so basically the story, which I might not get exactly right since I can't pull the text. Um, but Martin Luther King was involved with um, the Unitarian Universalist Association because they were doing civil rights work together. Um, and he, he was sort of on board with UUism and was sort of like, right, this is all good and makes sense. And this was in the sixties. Um, so it was right when merger was happening, which meaning that the Unitarian Association and the Universalist, I don't think it was the association, but the Unitarians and the Universalists as two separate religious bodies, at that point had become so similar and so small um, that they merged into one, which is what we ended up with today, is modern Unitarian Universalism. Um, And so that was the whole period of joining together, forming our new covenant, which which is where we got the seven principles and the six sources, and sort of creating the sense of like, who are we now together as a collective? Um, And so Martin Luther King was sort of proximate to this and he considered becoming a UU, um, but decided that for his justice work, he thought that the civil rights movement needed a spiritual foundation to help everyone weather the intensity and the trauma of what they were going through. 
Um, and that Unitarian Universalism wasn't clear enough and it wasn't galvanizing enough, um, which I think is is just like an interesting thing to sort of reckon with if we're talking about justice work and the the importance that he's pointing out of making sure that you have like a common spiritual language that your that your your work is deeply rooted in a in a sense of morality and ethics that is deeper than um just any kind of like surface sense of right and wrong but is this this place to root your hope and your values and your sense of community um and i mean now we're decades on from that and we've learned so much as a denomination um, and we've we've gotten so much richer and so much clearer about our principles and about the sources. Um, but I think that story is particularly interesting because fast forward to last year um, and the Commission on Institutional Change that report that the UUA released um, after a couple of years of studying white supremacy in our denomination, that report, a significant part of it, talks about the necessity of spiritual grounding in justice work. Um, and so I think it's interesting to sort of make that bridge and be clear, right? Like the the sort of where I was trying to get with that sermon was that it actually helps that we have a sense of like shared morality and shared dreams, right? So we're, because building this world that we hope for is not something that we do individually. Um, and so we kind of need to be rooted together in this place of um, hopefulness and um, clear boundaries around what we are and are not okay with because it builds connection, um, because it builds trust, because it builds consensus. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting sort of piece of history to tie to the place we're in currently, um, yeah. where we're talking about how do we, as a congregation, recognize that we're just we're not just a collection of individuals randomly together, right? Like this is a community and this is a body um, that needs to sort of do this work together and collectively and valuing um, that the communality of it all. Yeah. So this leads me to my wild card question that I have for you. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's actually not a question so much as an exercise. <laughs> oh. Um, so I was hoping that you would dedicate a few minutes to just dreaming out loud with me. Um, oh. Because I think imagination is a really lofty term, dreaming yes. and imagination. And I would love yeah. to just actually do some of it with you instead of just talking this about the act great, of doing it in general. Right. Right. Yeah. It's good to not get so stuck in our heads, which yeah. we can, we as you use love brains. Yes. <laughs> it's good. And it's good to remember like <laughs> our intuition, right. And our guts and our hearts and our bodies and all the other things, right. That, that matter just as much. Um, so I guess like to put it in the form of a question, like, what is a dream you have about what a generative society or a regenerative society looks like? That's such a good question. Um, Do you want me to go first so you have time to think about it? 
No, I can. I have a. I have a. I have a thought that's bubbling. Okay. Um. So one of the things I took a a class on. Um. What did they call it? Like religion and nature or something when I was in grad school, and it was a class that was co-listed between the divinity school and the forestry school. Wow. Um, at Yale. Yeah. Super cool. Um. Because obviously with like environmental justice work there are all these questions about like how do we talk about the natural world and i would call that like what is our theology of the natural world like how how do we make meaning of this and understand this um and one of the things that um is is pretty ingrained in like Christian theology about the natural environment is called stewardship. And it's basically this idea from Genesis that humans' job is to care for creation. And so there's sort of this hierarchy where humans are at the top of creation and they're supposed to sort of order the natural worlds. Um, And we can see in the world around us how badly we have done that, right? Hmm. And so one of the things that that I dream of is the inversion of that Um, and and coming to understand ourselves not as these super creatures that reign supreme over the earth, um, but as part of it um, and part of this whole collective um, network of flourishing where like we are so deeply tied to the land and like from food to water to air to like how we live and how we gather in community um but that's sort of one of one of my dreams for how the world could be in a way that is not only flourishing right for humans because human flourishing is innately tied to everything flourishing right like Mm -hmm. i want the trees to flourish um like i want the bunnies to flourish right like we were part of this whole collective system um and so that's sort of that's part of what i dream about is that that inversion and that humility to say like we are not ruling over this land um and we do not know better um right like there is so much innate wisdom in like the way the natural world works um even in our own bodies right if we're thinking about like Mm -hmm. i don't know how my heart beats but it does and that's incredible um and i'm not ruling over that right like i'm sort of if anything subject to it um yeah so that's sort of one of the the big paradigm flips that i that i dream about as being hugely transformative in a way that's like magical and caring and um based on mutual flourishing that sounds great. good to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, check. <laughs> check. Let's do it. Let's plant some trees. <laughs> What's yours? I'm curious. Oh, boy. I should have thought of <laughs> You came this. up with the exercise. Well, I know. But I'm trying to decide, like... Because there are many dreams, right? Like, I have that's so only one. many. I have so many. Because... What's a dream that makes you hopeful or joyful? More walkable communities. Oh, Um, I love that. (laughs) 
and a way that we set up our core, like our fundamental social units that yeah. is less isolated in general for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cue back to my reference to my dream of my sister and I living in houses next to each other. <laughs> well, I mean, but really, like I. Yeah. But really, yeah, I don't say that sarcastically. Like, it would <laughs> yeah. be helpful. Like, I know that there are places in the world at large and also within yep. the United States where, like, people know their neighbors and, like, yeah. you know, stuff But it's like not that. a given. But it's not a given. Like, the fundamental yeah. unit of how we think about, like, the way we set up society is a nuclear family in the yeah. US typically. Um, yeah, it's very limiting. And I think there's a huge emphasis on, and again, like this comes back to the idea of um, private property a little bit. Um, yep, and individualism. Yeah, and individualism. Like the dream is to have, like luxury is to be far away from people, is framed that way. Yeah, which like, doesn't that sound awful? Yeah, but I mean that, that like, is... We are sold that as luxury. Like, yes, luxury, totally, totally. luxury is, is a, a bigger gated house. house. Right. Yes. With, yeah. I've you know, always far found big away. houses to actually be really lonely, which is, right, is yeah, that sort I of think, like, no, I don't, like, as introverted as I am, I don't want to be, like, fully separate from people. Right. Um. So I feel like having the default be much more like you're going to be in community <laughs> unless right, you actively yeah. try not to be instead of the opposite. Like not to force people to be in community yeah. with people that they don't like or don't like. Right. You know, but the aspiration better, is but... aloneness. Right. Um, and I think like walkable communities and potentially changing living like creating more diversity in weight in like living situations like yep um i think that might be a pretty big dream of mine that makes my heart swell a lot um i love that i'm so saying you hearing you talk about this i'm so curious to see the ways that that starts to happen and accelerate now like given covid because I well I know <laughs> like right I because think, the issues yeah. with like isolation and then also like the number of times my sister has texted me like I wish you could come over and take my kids away <laughs> right like <laughs> we sort of need because it's everything has turned into extremes where you're either isolated or there's no support for you trying to care for your family system right. because everybody's so separate. Um, so I, I, I feel like life in the last year has like shown how wrong our setup is and how, how bad it is and how connected we all are, right? With this whole pandemic situation. Like the idea that any of us are like really protected lone entities is like, insert bad word. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think it's totally possible that we are on the verge of like a community renaissance like oh a, yes yes a big swell like push towards new ways to connect yeah. with people 
Yes. Um, and I think that, I mean, one way that that's manifesting right now happens to be economic. So they're like mutual aid networks and funds yeah. are yep. springing up right now, partially because of the failures of the government to, right. you know, right. distribute resources in a way that's yeah allows for flourishing. Supportive um, and caring. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, so that's, that's generally my. Well, and we even like, we know. have that inside our own congregation where like, not only do we share our monthly offering with outside organizations doing good work, but then we also like the Christmas Eve offering is for the minister's discretionary fund, which is a very lofty way of saying that we have a fund in house um, to help people in our community who need financial assistance, which is the same like if you have more to offer, then like the as a community, we value making sure that people can get the help that they need without it being without everybody having to know, right? Like like we just sort of yeah. part of our ethos is we care for each other. I mean it's it's interesting, obviously anonymity is crucial because of the way that you know money is yeah set up right. and talked about and the power it has in our yep. current setup yeah it would really i mean another dream i have is to take to, to normalize asking for help um yes of all kinds and giving it yeah you know um yeah and from more people <laughs> like right in all like, kinds of ways because we think of spouse, help just as you know, like or whatever right just financial or just when like everybody is human and needs help in all kinds of ways yeah um so, so i guess i mean it's kind of a kumbaya like way of <laughs> thinking about the world but like yeah i don't think it's naive i think no, it sounds it's incredibly respectful. informed by like yeah. how much we know about things going wrong. That which is the opposite yeah. of naive. Like that's informed yeah. by definition. Yeah. So, amen. And of course, <laughs> I have a lot of dreams about transformative and restorative justice and decarceration. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but yep. those are for another podcast maybe or another episode <laughs> of this podcast i know we're we should probably cut ourselves off now it's getting dark out <laughs> yeah All okay right. happy whatever day we're on i think it's tuesday <laughs> happy tuesday to you and all of the other days <laughs> bye bye thanks for listening for more information about what's happening at uucsw or for ways to get involved visit us online at uucsw.org or visit us in person. All are welcome.